0: Tonight, a Super Bowl loss, but a super season nonetheless. And how about those interest rate hikes? News on that changes just about as much as the Bengals' scores have been changing over the past few weeks. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Mimi Wagner, along with Steve Sprovac. Man, Steve, it was a wild ride, and I- I'm proud of you this morning. You are, you are simply saying it was a good <laughs> ride. You're not upset. I-, I don't know. It's, It's a tough pill to swallow because... I was convinced, right? I had gone from the crusty old Bengals sports fan to how can we from you know how can we blow this to (laughs) painting I believe signs in the living room, (laughs) and that was just a tough loss. I, I, I
1: feel like I feel like that investor that. Uh, lost a whole bunch in two thousand and eight, and finally felt like okay, I'm ready to get back in in December yes. just to watch a market correction. <laughs> I, I mean, after after point. thirty years, I was buying into the Bengals. I was yeah. there. I was on the bandwagon, and ah, oh. but you know, they had a heck of a run. Yeah, this this was nice.
0: I I was on the bandwagon, and I will remain on the bandwagon. And I do believe that this team is fundamentally different from so many that we have suffered through in years past. And I think that we will come back next year uh, and in years to come better and stronger. Oh, they're going
1: to build on this? Yeah. yeah, yeah. If we could just
0: get some offensive line players in there that might be able to protect our QB a little bit. That really made me nervous last night. Um, But anyway, um, kudos to the Bengals because you took not only yourself, with this entire city and every Bengals fan on a wild ride it has been so much fun i think they're uh i think they're coming in uh, around right now um and i know that fans will continue to hold them up and support them and i think we should we'll still be on a high for a long time this
1: was i I, i'm happy to be called a bandwagon fan because they gave me a reason to get back on the bandwagon yeah it was fun the last three, four games of the season
0: where, where
1: everything was on the line and they came back and they produced and, and they, they fell a couple of yards short in in the final game. That's okay. Yes. Yeah. It, it was awesome to watch. Great football. Congratulations to the Bengals.
0: Andy, every one of their games, right, has been we're up. The Chiefs are up. We're up. The Rams yeah. are up, right? Yeah. They've been all over the place, kind of like the markets have been just, you know, a bit volatile lately. <laughs> Joining us tonight, Andy Stout. He's Alworth's chief investment officer, managing billions of dollars worth of investments from right here in Cincinnati. Hey, Andy. First of all, who day? We're glad you're with us today.
2: <laughs> who day, indeed.
0: Yes, all right. So let's talk about what's going on with markets right now. You were critical in the past of uh, Fed Chair Jerome Powell, right, when he opened his mouth and said some words several years ago that caused the markets to tank. I think we might be dealing with that again. Not Jerome Powell, but someone else in the Fed.
2: (laughs) Yeah, we got some loud voices in the Federal Reserve. And the Federal Reserve is our nation's central bank responsible for controlling where short-term interest rates go. And we had one influential Fed member last week out there saying some things that really spooked the markets. Specifically, he said and this is a James Bullard, by the way, I'd like to see 100 basis points in the bag by July 1st. Uh, What that means is he wants to see these uh, short-term interest rates be increased by one percentage point in total by July 1st. The issue is the Fed has been known to increase and decrease interest rates by a quarter of a percent. And there are only three meetings between now and July 1st. That means he's saying The Fed should be increasing rates by a half a percent at one of those meetings. And that's exactly what the market priced in immediately when he said that last Thursday. So when he said that, we saw the market price in a 100 percent chance of a half point hike. Now, that's come down a little bit. Right now, the market's pricing in a 70 percent chance of a half point hike. But still, that's more likely than not.
1: But, I, I mean, when the Fed opens their mouths, the, the market reacts. And what else could happen? I, I mean, this guy, he's the president of the St. Louis uh, branch of the Fed. He, he says, we need to raise rates this much. So, I, I mean, I have a hard time believing that they're, that they're going to go ahead and raise rates by 1% when they, only, they have three meetings coming up. Um, do you think there's a chance this will happen?
2: I do. I mean, it's, it's not out of the realm of possibility at all, especially when you look at where the inflation numbers have been. It'll probably get a little bit worse before it gets better. And the question is, what happens uh, maybe toward the middle of the year or the, the latter part of the second quarter when we might start to see those inflation numbers finally start to uh, come lower? And that's where we might see the Fed pivot away from this aggressive stance that they have right now.
0: Let's dig into those inflation numbers, Andy, because anecdotally, right, we all feel a feel it when we fill up at this tank or when we go to the grocery store, whatever it is that we're buying. But at the same time, what we're seeing right now is the highest inflation rates that we've seen in the past 40 years. So just on a very practical level, it hurts. That's what the Fed is trying to keep in control. Um, But do you think that what they're talking about is actually going to be able to accomplish that? And of course, what we've seen historically is sometimes the Fed getting a little overzealous and hiking into a recession
2: yeah and if you look at just what's been going on with the economy in general i mean coming off a very strong year last year with the economy seeing some very very strong growth that's going to be a little bit lower this year obviously uh for a variety of reasons one is Omicron having some uh, a negative impact at the early part of the ye- calendar year. And also, I mean, if we looked at what 2021 was being compared to on a year-over-year basis, it was 2020, which we saw the economy shut down completely. So we'll probably see growth come in a little bit. You wouldn't be surprised if we're around that 3% uh, level overall, but if it comes in a little bit shy of that and you have the Fed being too aggressive, Raising rates too much, you know, they could uh, be hiking at the exact wrong time and could push us into a recession if they get too aggressive.
0: You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55 KRC Who Day uh, as we continue to celebrate this Bengals just impressive, amazing season. Also, we're joined by Andy Stout as we are every Monday, making sense of just the volatility in the markets. We've been talking about the Fed and inflation. What else do you think is playing a role right now in in kind of the market's volatility?
2: Well, there's that Fed inflation, Ukraine-Russia tensions, that's another thing that's really been causing some market turbulence here lately. Let's dig into that. Yeah. So if you look at what's been going on right now, there's a lot of concern with Russia having 130,000 troops on the Ukraine border. Uh, Now, the U.S. officials last week and over the weekend were talking about how Russia- could invade ukraine this week uh so just a matter of days away and what russia is looking for is essentially some security uh assurances and guarantees like not letting ukraine in nato as an example uh us has pretty much dismissed all of that and when we look at some other things uh you know what the us wants is you know Russia pulling back troops. Russia's not doing that. But even though we are seeing maybe a little bit of progress, a little bit of de-escalation, which has helped um, soothe things, at least temporarily, I mean, the U.S. has offered to uh, talk about missile restrictions. And the uh, Russian, uh, one of the foreign ministers, Lavrov, said that was a constructive conversation. And he recommended to Putin that talks continue with the West. And Putin said, yeah, that's, that's good. And that was some good news to come out of it, but I don't think this really takes us off the table at all.
1: All right. So, so let's assume that Russia goes into the Ukraine. What's your guess on what that might do to markets?
2: In, In terms of like equity markets, I mean, not much. I mean, there's always this fear of something bad happening. I mean, you can look back when Russia annexed Crimea from Ukraine, right? Uh, there wasn't any elastic impact. There's some short term uncertainty, short term nerves. I mean, some stocks might end up doing well. Some sectors like uh, defense and aerospace, they could actually perform a little bit better. You know, what I would be interested in watching a little bit more closely is oil, right? Because oil is Russia pumps a lot of oil into Europe. And if the U.S. and the West uh, and the rest of Europe, um, you know, put some sanctions on them, we could see maybe a little bit of battle on the oil side and we're already seeing oil prices around $94 a barrel. Well, so, yeah, they,
1: they've gone up a, a ton. I mean, you know, 40, 50 bucks a barrel, a, a year and a half ago, now 90, 95 bucks. And I I've got to think that this would impact uh, it to the point where we could see well over a hundred dollars a barrel. I mean, what would that do to the price at the pump? Any guess? Well,
2: I mean, it's a direct con- uh, correlation there. So yeah, yeah. if, If they do uh, have some supply constraints imposed, maybe if Russia decides that, hey, we're not going to send you oil, then if you're going to come back with these economic sanctions, well, then you're going to see the price of oil go up. You're going to see the price of gas at the pump go up, and that's going to hurt consumers, and that's just another inflation pain point.
0: All right, so as we talk about the fact that, okay, we've got inflation at 40-year highs, we've got this possible invasion of the Ukraine by Russia, we've got oil prices that are way up, there's a lot going on. One of the things that I love is you're kind of always the voice of reason in the face of a lot of scary headlines. You look at a number of sort of economic indicators to say, hey, uh, we think a recession could be coming, we think we're okay. As you look at those kind of puzzle pieces of the economy, what are you seeing right now?
2: Well, right right now when we look out what I call leading economic indicators, which are data points that really just move before the broad economy. So if something signals a slowdown, it might tell us like, hey, watch out in about six to nine months for a recession. And we have our own Allworth recession indicator, uh, which looks at 10 different underlying economic indicators. And right now, only one of the 10 is signaling a slowdown. We don't start to get worried until it's about four out of the 10 or 40%. And at that point, then we'd be you know, more worried about a slowdown in the next six to nine months or so or thereabouts now when we look at today one out of ten so not too worried now things can obviously change very quickly and there's always something that could happen with coronavirus but with all that said and done the data is what the data is
0: Here's the Simply Money point. You know, the humanitarian cost of war, obviously, you can never put a price on that. But investors often overestimate the lasting impact something like this could have on markets. Countless other conflicts didn't lead to a long, drawn-out market decline. We'll certainly keep an eye on this one for you. If you can't listen to Simply Money every night, subscribe to our weekly podcast. It's the best of Simply Money on the iHeart app or wherever you find your podcast. So did you see all of those cryptocurrency Super Bowl ads? Wasn't surprised by those. We're going to talk about them. Plus, have more money thanks to the pandemic. A warning about if you're thinking about going into early retirement. That's ahead in three minutes. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. Straight ahead at 643. You know, if doing your taxes just isn't bad enough, the IRS has the worst backlog of claims ever. We're going to help you navigate through the mess. You know, Steve, I got to tell you, uh, the Super Bowl this year was the first time I've actually been interested in the actual game. <laughs> Not in <the> years. <laughs> yeah. Usually I'm like, who's singing at halftime and what are the ads looking like? Uh, this year, the ads were kind of, um, you know, second fiddle, third fiddle to the actual game, but there were some interesting ones.
1: Yeah, yeah, there, there really were. I, I, it was really interesting for me. First of all, as soon as they announced who the halftime was, my, my son, grown son, turns to his wife and says, finally, there's something for us. You know, so that was kind of neat. But uh, the 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 answer always, always. There's a few good ones, and there's a few few bombs. I love the one where the the football players came out of the video game and just trashed the house. And mom and dad or grandma and grandpa, whatever it was, look at the kids like, "What happened?" And they're pointing it. And and grandma walks in. The girl.
0: (laughs) Yeah, grandma walks in and she says, "Football. That's what happened." Yeah, Yeah, I thought that one was super cute. You, You can't. You have to take note of the fact that there was a a lot of crypto ads uh, and and doesn't surprise me at all right because mm-hmm. they're just uh, it's out there everywhere and and I thought there was one especially the Larry David ad did you see that one
1: yeah I, I was a little distracted with grandkids but yes I did so
0: he yeah. was you know kind of going back through history with all the great inventions and he's making fun of every single one of them <laughs> like dumb idea with that light bulb the wheel oh, ridiculous like bagels around they're far better right he's like making fun of yeah all these amazing event inventions. And then he's like, cryptocurrency, nah, it's crazy. Uh, and I'm that, usually but, right about these things.
1: <laughs> but that one hit home for me because the founder of Jersey Mike's, back when it was just one shop called Mike Subs turned to me, who I worked for him at the time, um, said, I'm thinking of changing the name to Jersey Mike's and and franchising all all across the country. Jersey Mike's, Pete? Nah, that name will never work. That was my answer. (laughs) That was my answer. So I was the Larry David in real life.
0: Oh, that's funny. That's so funny. But yeah, the crypto ads are out there, and I we've been telling you this is this is around. It's here to stay. It's becoming more and more mainstream. You know, our concerns remain the same. It's not necessarily regulated yet. I think there will be a day when uh, the federal government figures out how to kind of get a handle on things and regulate it better. In the meantime, uh, you know, if you saw though at the QRL um, thing jumping around and (laughs) yeah, everybody in the room, my TV. Everybody Did in the they? room got out their phones. I was there with a bunch of people. I mean, there was dozens of phones out, everyone getting them out, looking at it. So I guess See, I'm old effective. enough to
1: think, is that a new Pong game?
0: <laughs> and anybody
1: my age will know what I'm talking about. Anybody else won't. But that was the first <laughs> video game. Pong. Yeah. It looked just like that and moved about that quick and it enthralled us for hours.
0: Well, there you go. Well, I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe the ads, you can go back and watch them later, and they will continue to enthrall you. I know there's probably a lot of Monday morning quarterbacks out there that are still looking at the plays and reliving everything. Uh, and we just want to say congratulations again to our Cincinnati yep. Bengals because it has been a wild and awesome ride. Uh, you know, uh, if you have, if you own stocks, you own real estate over the past few years, you might feel like you can just do no wrong. It has been, Steve, just an interesting time when you just kind of dissect the last few years where it almost feels like, wait a second, I'm doing so well. I was going to retire at the age of 65 or 67, name the age, mm-hmm. but I'm thinking about cutting out three years early, five years early. I mean, I'm, I'm sure these are conversations you're having all the time
1: everybody's a genius in a rising stock market. It, 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 <laughs> yeah. it, it's amazing. It's amazing how smart you think you are. It, you know, but it, it, it's, I, I get that. Retirement is an emotional decision. I, I mean, yeah. it's financial, no question about it, but it's also emotional. And and you can get emotionally happy when you see your net worth rise and your home value rise. And you can get emotionally depressed when you see the opposite happen. I I'll tell you what that we've had such a run in the last few years, not just with the stock market, Amy, but uh, with home prices. And and even though you're not necessarily going to be selling your home when you retire, it makes you feel good. It, it makes does. you feel like you're successful. Yeah, you know maybe I finally did something right. And I, I I will always come back to the example of a person that that I know very well that retired in August of two thousand and eight. That was the peak right before the Mm. complete financial meltdown. Okay, and you want to talk about going from one extreme to the other. He had more money than he ever thought he would have when he retired. And then uh, he retires, the market just falls apart. And he was just in a funk for about a year, year and a half. Wondering, did I make the right decision? Do I have to go back to work? Is my plan going to be okay? His plan was actually pretty darn good, but still it just ate them up emotionally. And and that's what I'm worrying about with some people in the last couple of years. They see, okay, everything's been going great. Instead of 66, now I can do 64, 65. Maybe I'll just go ahead and pull the string. And I've seen cases of people even younger in their mid-50s say, I'm good now. I, I, I hope they are good, but I also hope they did a, a real solid financial plan with accurate numbers in because garbage in, garbage out on a financial plan. And I'm worried that some people may have pulled the string a little bit sooner.
0: It's easy to feel bulletproof right now, without a doubt. In fact, the average net worth, if you're in a household um, ages 55 to 64, rose by $180,000 between the beginning of 2020 and the end of September of last year. So in about, what, that year nine, 10 month period, um, almost $200,000 for those kind of closing in on that retirement age. And it's so easy to feel bulletproof during that time because, yeah. uh, you know, we remember, it's just, it just seems seems like the market's going to climb and climb and climb. What you forget is markets are also going to go back down. It is just the cost of admission.
1: It, it is. And, and that's why you want to really think a decision like retirement through. Yeah. It, it's a big one. And, and you know, if you're going to be successful, just try to keep your distribution rate, how much you take out of your investments. I, I prefer below four percent. Morningstar did a survey and and um, no more than three point three percent of a, a distribution rate from their savings led to the, the, the happiest and most financially successful retirees. Three point three.
0: you know what I would say, if you are entering kind of a a season where you're considering this, look at your emergency fund. If you have, I would say maybe two, three years of critical expenses that you have in liquid on the sidelines so that if there is a downturn, it's only on paper for you, right? You're not drawing out that money that you need to live off of when it's down. That could be a great way to look at it if you're someone who's considering this. Here's the Simply Money point. If you find yourself with more net worth since the pandemic started and you think you can retire early, just remember, markets do go down. So work with a fiduciary financial advisor to carefully orchestrate your plan. So should your credit history be tied with how much you pay for car and home insurance? Some states are saying, "Uh uh-uh, no. Our credit expert joins us to discuss us the potential impact this has on you next. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Strobeck. You know, we tell you all the time the importance of your credit score. If you've got a good credit score, you're going to save tens of thousands of dollars likely over the course of your lifetime and what you pay out in loans. A bad credit score and you've got the reverse, right? You're going to pay more, but it goes deeper than that because in a lot of cases, even your insurance company is looking at that credit score to determine your rates. Joining us tonight is Britt Scarce from Emory Federal Credit Union, um, our credit expert, with a look at actually what some states are doing saying uh, hey we shouldn't be looking at the credit score to determine insurance rates hey Brett
3: hey how you doing Amy yeah the, the uh, out in Washington State anyway they are uh, I think March for uh, March 4th they are going to actually impose a ban on insurance companies utilizing your credit uh, as a qualifier for setting your Insurance premiums for your auto and homeowners insurance. Now let's talk um, about this like, because uh,
0: they haven't yeah. always, right? I don't think the insurance companies have always used credit scores, but I, I do feel like over the past several years, it's become increasingly more normal for insurance companies to do this.
3: Absolutely, they—they they, pretty much most states allow insurance companies uh, to utilize your credit information to set your premiums, and and basically what they see is. Uh they've done studies over the years over the decades, and uh people with uh good credit scores, high credit scores usually six eighty and higher or well into the seven hundreds uh tend to turn in less claims on their auto and homeowners insurance premiums and Of course, insurance companies uh have you know utilized that as a tool, and they have been charging people with lower credit scores you know if you have 580 credit scores, 570, you know, down down below, you know, uh, 600 credit scores, they've been charging those folks higher insurance premiums.
0: And where I imagine this is especially um, frustrating is if you have maybe a lower credit score, but you're a really good driver, uh, so you've got a great driving history, yet that's not reflected in your rates.
3: That's exactly right, because here's the thing. You can have a perfect driving record and have a little bit lower credit score maybe you had life happen to you and you had a layoff or you had you know you got sick through the pandemic and you know things of that nature which is where this legislation out in washington came from it was out of the pandemic and then they it's going to last for like three years and then they have to try to make it permanent but um they have found that drivers out in washington state pay 79 percent more for their basic auto insurance premiums if they have below a 580 credit score wow. versus having a good credit score. That is a huge difference. I mean, that's that's practically doubled.
0: I know that you do a lot of um, workshops with people about credit, about how to bring it up, about the importance of having good credit. What's the conversation you have? Because I'm sure a lot of people don't understand how far-reaching the impact of that credit score really is.
3: Yes. Um, you know, w- when I'm talking to folks, it's like you got to – most people say, well, I don't really need credit. You know, I don't really, you know, it doesn't really matter. If, and if I miss a payment here and there, what's the big deal? And, you know, if you're not gonna borrow money, you know, if you're not getting a mortgage, you're not buying a business or getting a, you know, uh, you know, getting a car loan or something like that, maybe it doesn't affect you as much in those areas, but all these other areas, like your auto and homeowner's insurance, where you pay almost double or 79% or so more, depending on the state that you're in, um, you know that that costs you a lot on a day to day basis. It doesn't just cost you you know when you're borrowing money. it can cost you when you're renting an apartment. It can cost you obviously the insurances, your ability to get a job. All these other things are now affected by uh, the utilization of your credit scores and your credit reports.
0: You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC. We're joined by Britt Scarce, Director of Business Development for Emory Federal Credit Union. Of course, he's Simply Money's credit expert. In the state of Washington, uh, in the next couple of months, or I guess the next month, it will become illegal for insurance companies to look at your credit score to determine your rates. But let's face it, Britt, here in the tri-state Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, none of those states are on the list of states that are, that are banning that, prohibiting that. Uh, right. So what do we need to keep in mind here?
3: Well, I mean, there, there are two sides to this. I mean, the, the other states that have banned this is Hawaii, California, Michigan, Massachusetts, and Maryland. Um, and and you know, the insurance companies, uh, their argument is, well, if if you ban our ability to do that, uh, utilize these other tools to help you know, set our premiums, uh, the good drivers are going to have to pay more. So where you're getting a discount now, okay, if they if they ban this, well, then all the good drivers that were getting discounts are now going to have to pay more to offset them giving lower rates.
0: But uh, technically, other, wouldn't uh, it be uh, the folks. good drivers who also have good credit scores? Because there are – right, what they're saying is the people who have – who are good drivers who have good credit scores would have to pay more because those who are good drivers but have bad credit scores are the ones who are already paying more.
3: You're exactly right, yeah. So, so I guess the ones with the high credit scores that were getting that benefit and yeah. the good driving record – yeah, they're going to end up having to pay a little bit more. But, uh you know, uh, all in all, I, I don't think it's necessarily, uh, for me personally, I don't think they should be looking at anything other than your driving record and your yeah. claims record rather, <laughs> for setting your insurance rates. But since but, it is uh, reality now.
0: Yeah, but Britt, since it is reality now, right, that we do know insurance companies here in the tri-state are looking at credit scores when determining our rates, for those who don't have those higher credit scores, if their score's considered poor or bad, what can they do um, to start turning things around?
3: Well, number one, you need to get your credit reports and find out what's what's on there, what's being said about you. You can go to annualcreditreport.com and get a free credit report and at least see what's being reported about you. And from there, you can either dispute items that are inaccurate or you can take steps to improve what is there. If you happen to have uh, some late payments, uh, there are steps you can take, obviously, to get things caught up and then you know paid off. If you don't have any current trade lines, you know it would be a good idea to open up Uh, some trade lines like a secured credit card or do a credit builder loan or go um, uh, and take advantage of uh, Experian Boost is is, is a tool that Experian uh, offers where you can actually have utility, uh, your utility bills, uh, you know, and phone bills and things of that nature reported to your credit report, which actually will boost your credit scores.
0: When you're talking to someone um, who has um, a lower credit score about how long it takes to actually build things back up, where if an insurance company or even a potential employer, right, there's so many different people who pull these credit scores, where it can be favorable across the board, how long do you say it really takes to turn things around?
3: Well, we live in a microwave society, but I can uh-huh. tell you that the credit is in the crockpot business. <laughs> uh, it, it takes a little bit longer. Uh, you you know, this is something that you need to, uh, you know, Manage over time in order to improve it. Okay. So, you know, just opening up an account, if you have no credit and you just open up an account, you're not going to immediately have an 820 credit score. Okay. You're going to need to make payments on that on time, you know, for six months and 12 months and 24 months. And over time, it improves. If you have bad things out there on your credit report, you know, getting them corrected, establishing new trade lines or establishing new history and paying over time it gradually gets better. But it is not an overnight uh, situation.
0: Great insights tonight from Britt Garris, Director of Business Development from credit, Federal Credit Union and, of course, our credit expert here at Simply Money. You might be surprised, actually, all the different ways that your credit score impacts you. And so if yours is lower than you'd like, it's time to start digging that out, building it up. You will be glad in the long run. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, The Talk Station. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovack. Straight ahead. Could now be the time to buy or sell that car. There is definitely an answer to this one. We'll explain coming up. As we speak, you know, the IRS, everyone's favorite government agency, is buried literally in a mound of paper. It's causing so much stress uh, that even the people who are doing your taxes can't get through to the IRS. Steve, I don't even know. It's It's a mess.
1: Where do you start with this? I I, I mean, this is this (laughs) is ridiculous. Everybody's getting started on their 2021 taxes, and there are still 24 million unprocessed 2020 claims. 24 million. I don't know how many uh, filings. Uh, are normal but 24 million is way out of the pale and and there's something seriously bad going on at the IRS I'm not sure what the answer is
0: well and it's mind-boggling and here's the problem the IRS automatically generates these notices right so if you didn't file your taxes or they think you're late on paying them you could get a letter in the mail and they're saying hey we're gonna quit generating these but some of them are already out there so uh, there's these horror stories that accountants are talking about where someone's calling them absolutely in a panic saying yeah we filed my taxes last year, right? I'm getting this notice or I'm yeah. worried. I've defaulted. You know, whatever it is, they're, they're super concerned. And really, they've done absolutely nothing wrong. Their accountant has done everything correct. The IRS is freaking them out, but it's the IRS's fault because they just haven't been able to process the claims yet.
1: No, and and they're they're going to blame it on COVID, and and there's some truth to that. I, I get it, but it's also been mismanaged for years. And I'm it's a perfect storm, right? Of this, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, here's a perfect example. I had a pretty good size refund coming to me for 2020. I filed late for various reasons, but I filed mid October. Okay, yeah. actually, early October. I'm still waiting. Okay, and you go on the website, and it just says. Uh, by the way, it was only about three weeks ago they even acknowledged that they received my wow. return, which I filed electronically. No idea what to happen. Months and if you try later. To- if you and, and, and my state, I also got a refund from state um, that showed up three days later. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it was deposited three days after I filed. So if you're having problems with your federal tax returns for 2020, you are not alone. It's you and 23 million other uh, people. So give them a call. Well, OK, if you give them a call, they're running about one out of every 10 people that call in actually gets an answer. Yes. One out of 10. I mean, that's correct. Horric- they're, they're using Windows 2000. If you run <laughs> a business still running Windows 2000, you've got issues. Yeah. You know, so this is and I'm on a rant, so I'm going to keep rolling here. What what really drives me nuts on on this is they're you hear it. Well, it's budget cuts. They don't have enough money. No, they got a 17 percent budget increase last year. And you know what? One point four billion dollars of that increase, it's still unspent. They don't know how to spend it. you know they're they're yeah. they're consolidating their their uh, centers. um they moved into Ogden, Utah, which has a one point eight percent unemployment rate, and they can't figure out why they can't find people. yeah, you, you know, it's 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 just not working.
0: I don't know. You think about the the Great Resignation. I mean, but to into your point, but a slightly different take on this. If I was working for the IRS, where the stress level has to be through the roof, right? I mean, you've got the mounds of think. paperwork. Yeah. There's probably pieces of mail sitting around that are months old that no one has touched yet. The phones are ringing off the hook. There's like th- there's like there's like fifteen hundred calls they come into the IRS every second every second, like that crazy, and I'm looking around and I'm saying, wait a second, there's other options out there where I can get paid as much or I might be heading for the door, so when you talk about worker shortages I don't know where the IRS could be where they wouldn't deal with this situation I don't think there's a state, a city a place where they could be where people wouldn't be looking to jump and ship Uh, so, you know, during this time and we had Michael Morisky on the show he's actually head of Alworth Tax Solutions and he said, listen, like, you feel bad because you as a taxpayer can't get through the irs apparently the accountants have like they a, a can't bat, either. they've got a bat line right they're supposed yeah. to be able to call and ask questions directly of irs people uh they can't get through and they're told you better have everything laid out in front of you so that you're ready to go um and they can sit and be on hold for in some cases hours and still not get through to anyone it but- is just that much of a mess
1: let me ask you this. Now I know you're not, you don't run a, a big corporation or anything like that. You're obviously a smart woman, but if you well, were you. running a department or if you were running a, a company, and it would it costs five hundred thousand dollars to fix a machine that was costing your company fifty six million in interest charges, would you spend that half a million to get fifty six million?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs>
1: IRS hasn't. IRS hasn't. I, I, I mean, the, that's just another example of, of just a bureaucratic mess going on, and 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 there seems to be no accountability. I I I don't know what to say. Here we are. We're filing 2021 taxes when they haven't even gotten to 2020 taxes what happens with people that are filing? What What do you do? I, I mean, yeah. if you haven't gotten your tax return, and you don't know what your adjusted gross is for 2020, what do you do for 2021?
0: So what they're saying is you just put in zero. Uh, and then I guess you go back and amend it later once you get that number. Um, but but they're saying, listen, if you want any kind of chance whatsoever of having your claim filed in a somewhat timely manner, file it electronically, double check it, triple check it, quadruple check it, because if there is an issue, right, if you've made an error, good luck. It'll probably be 2025 <laughs> before that uh, ever gets through. Yeah. But you, so you have to make sure that you file electronically, that it there's error-free and that direct deposit. If you have the information there for direct deposit, that's where you probably have the highest likelihood of getting this done sometime in the, I don't know, 2021, 22, 23 <laughs> range. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's a mess. You know, at least with the post office, you've got the alternate, uh, alternative. You can go to FedEx, UP, um, uh, UPS, or there's sure. lots of other. What do you do with the IRS? Y- yeah. You know, you have one agency you have to file through. You don't want to get on their bad side, which apparently I just screwed up about. but, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. but <laughs> Calling but, them out know, on the radio. They, they, we're both they, in the same have, boat they here. Have
1: got, they have got to get their management in order and, and, and just run it as a business and, and not something that is two years behind on tax returns returns ridiculous
0: simply money point man pack your patience and if you want to get refunds and get those processed as quickly as possible file early file online triple check for errors and choose direct deposit that's your best bet if you're thinking of buying or selling a car right now timing is everything and for some of you now is the time to jump on it we'll explain next you're listening to simply money here on 55 krc the talk station You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Mimi Wagner, along with Steve Sproveck. Steve, from the time I turned 16, everything I heard about cars was the moment. A couple years ago. Yeah, just just a few years ago, you know. (laughs) Everything you hear about cars is the fact that the minute you purchase one and you drive it off the lot, it's like you're you're hearing, it's like money flying out the window, right? It depreciates that quickly. It has always been that way uh, since I have been driving until now.
1: Yeah, th- this is a weird time. It's it really is. I I I've never other than a car that I paid 50 bucks for in college and sold for 50 bucks. Um I have I've never made money. How on a car. long did you have the car? I've, uh, 2 years or so. Wow. Yeah. Oh, it was great. It was uh, yeah. What I painted it with a there? I painted it with a brush just to make sure it was one color, and there there might have been some you know brush strokes <laughs> in it. And, and then I went to night class, and this was right after um, Animal House came out, and my dark blue car all of a sudden had white teeth painted on the front. Oh. So, yeah, thing, that's that's happen. why it
0: sold for fifty dollars though,
1: because it had character. <laughs> exactly. It, <laughs> it, it it had character. No, yeah, but go. this is a this is an interesting time right now where I mean if you bought a new car in twenty twenty one, the average price was thirty-eight grand, they're selling for an average price the same car uh right now is selling for about forty-eight grand. Yeah. So there are cases where people that bought right a couple of years ago have driven a car for a year or maybe even two and can sell it for what they paid for it. When has this happened? This is this is crazy.
0: So my husband has drives a pickup truck and he was just yeah. making this point to me. He, he was tearing apart the house the other day looking for the paperwork from when he bought it. He found it. And he's like looking at the Kelly Blue Book value and he's like, Amy, this car is worth more now than when I bought it <laughs> a year and a half ago. He's like, I could buy a cheaper truck you know, maybe not as nice, um, but get a brand new truck with no mileage, no miles on it and get it for, you know, and I've essentially driven my car for free for the past year. And I was like, I don't know, if you want to deal with that, go for it. That's a lot of headaches to me, but never before really have we been in this situation where there's just such a crazy shortage out there. And I feel bad for kids who are turning 16 and parents who are trying to help them because there are just no cars out there in that kind of entry-level area where most of us kind of could afford that first car. There's nothing out there. Oh,
1: our our neighborhood Craigslist is always showing up with hey, does anybody have a halfway decent used car for my 16-year-old? It, it, it's got to be brutal. I, I'm sitting on, uh, same thing with RVs. Right? We've got a small travel trailer, but, you know, uh, when there's no inventory, the used prices skyrocket, and and uh, maybe I maybe I can actually break even after five years with this deal. And, oh, yeah, we've got a tow vehicle. It's a diesel. It's kind of in demand. We, we can make out on this. I wow. we'll, we'll see. The Sproutel, the Sproutel <laughs> may not make it into this summer.
0: Oh, Oh, no, because someone else will want to buy this protel and you'll make <laughs> tons of money off of it. Here's the good news for those of you who are struggling to buy right now. Auto executives say this, this chip shortage seems to be kind of improving, uh, and a lot of the production shortages that we have seem to be coming to an end, maybe by the end of this year. And that's what we keep saying, Steve, right? We keep saying, if you're yeah. looking to buy a car and it's not desperate, you don't need it immediately now, put it off. We said until the beginning of this year, I would say maybe closer to the end of this year now.
1: Yeah, I was getting some work done in oil change at a car dealership uh, over the weekend. And I'll tell you what, though, it's not happening yet. Yeah, They they are definitely short on cars.
0: Soon? I don't know. Maybe soon. You've been listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC, the talk station. Download our best of Simply Money podcast and visit us at allworthfinancial.com. We help you retire better.